Welcome to Church Project. Glad that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, there's Bibles in the rows next to you or over on the the lamp. And if you would, grab your Bible, open it up to James chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 27 to end out this chapter. And if you have one of those blue Bibles, you can find our, our passage today on page 699. But I just got to hit pause before we get into the message today and say, Jeremy and worship team, thank you so much. Like praying scripture over us was, was incredible. I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm, and I'm letting Jeremy just, just pray a blessing over us. And, and I look up, because Google is powerful, uh, I, I look up one, one of the lyrics that he, was, that he was singing and praying over us. And I'm not sure if, Jeremy, you were praying Psalms 27 over us. But Psalms 27.4 is one of those that popped up on my screen. And let me just read it to you. One thing have I asked for the Lord. That, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's my prayer. Thank you for praying that over us and blessing us with that today. And church, I pray that over all of us today, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord today. We would find our identity in him today. We would focus on him and him alone today. And there would be no other distractions in our, in our world, in our hearts, or in our minds today as we open up the book of James and we begin to study what God is showing us and we begin to hear what God is whispering to each of us. See, I I think of multiple passages in the Bible where it says God is requiring worship. He will be required. And if it's not his people that are going to worship him, even the rocks and the stones are going to cry out and say, Holy, holy is God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He is the magnificent one. And church, what we get to do on Sunday is we get to come together as his creations and we get to look at his face and say, God, there is no other greater than you. As we cry out and we say, holy is your name, Lord, God Almighty, majesty, powerful. Church, what an honor it is to come together on Sunday mornings and do this. I love getting together on our Sunday gatherings because corporately we get to do this. We get to point to Jesus. We get to study scriptures. But just as powerful as our Sunday worship time is, is we have our our house churches. And when we meet in our house churches and we open up the scripture and go, well, Aaron really messed up this one, didn't he? (laughs) Or we begin to talk about the scripture and how God is changing our hearts and our lives and we begin to be vulnerable and be in relationships. That's just as worshipful, isn't it? I encourage all of us, if if you're not part of a house church, to get part of a house church um, and enter into this community together. Because I don't know how I I could do it without you guys, my brothers and sisters, encouraging me on, kicking me in the rear when I needed it, reminding me that it's about God and not about me. Amen? Let's jump in, because I'm excited for this message. It's a simple, simple message. But oh, how I forget it multiple times in my life. This message is one of those that you're, not gonna, you're probably not going to go, wow, I learned something new today. But it will be one of those messages where you go, okay, that was such a good reminder. And so um, I want to pray over us, and then we'll read the, our passage today. God, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that we get to study this. Thank you that we get to open it up and and we get to see who you are. and We get to see how you want us to live our lives. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit is moving this morning. And each and every one of us, that we just won't gloss over and gaze over these verses, but God, your Holy Spirit will penetrate to us in the deepest parts of who we are, 
So God, we welcome you in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27 is what we're going to look at today. And what I want to do, though, before we jump right into this specifically, is to put today's text in full context. We need to back up a few verses. I know we we looked at some verses last week, but, but to really get the context of today, we need to back up a few verses. James is the half brother of Jesus. He's writing to a church that's getting persecuted and running, and it's called the Diaspora. They're now leaving what was centralized, and they're moving to villages, and they're getting persecuted as they go along. And James is writing to this people. And James is writing specifically to Christians. He's writing specifically to Christians. And why this is important, you're going to see here in a minute. James is writing with conviction and deep, deep concern. As he looks at his fellow brothers and sisters that are getting persecuted in this new thing called Christianity. He's writing James with deep conviction and deep concern. And at the center of this concern is found in verse 16. So we're going to back up a little bit. This is the center of his concern. And if you if you look, it says, do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. James 1 verse 16 is the center of his concern. Do not be deceived. My beloved brothers. And then he continues. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creations. And as we look at this and his concern is, brothers and sisters, don't be deceived. And then it goes in in verse 17, it says, everything good comes from our good, good father. Our good, good father. There's no, there is no like room for thinking, oh, well, he may be all right. He may be uh, okay. No, James makes it clear. Everything that is good is from our good, good Father, who, by the way, if you look in the next few verses, nothing changes about him. There's no variation, no shadow. He is good. He has always been good. He will always be good. He is our good, good Father. And so he says, don't be deceived, Christians. Don't be deceived. Our Father is good. In verse 17 and in verse 18, says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. And when we look at these three verses that are just before our passage today, this is the gospel message. Just in these three verses right here. These three verses summarize what it means to be a Christian. In number 16, don't be deceived. In verse 17, God is good and unchanging. In verse 18, Jesus has paid our debt owed to God. It's by his will he pays our debt, and he bought us back. He bought us back because of our actions, because of our inadequacies, because of our, the things that we did that go against God. Jesus says, I'm a good God. I do not change, and I'm buying you back, and I'm buying you back even to the point that right here in verse 18, it says what? It says that by his own will, God willed it. It was his choice. He brought us forth from the word of truth, scripture, his word, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. So he's talking to Christians, and he's saying, I'm buying you back, 
And you're going to be the first fruits of restoring and redeeming and rebuilding this, this narrative we see in Scripture. He's saying, Christians, you're the first of this. We can even look in the book of Revelations, and the book of Revelations talks about how the, the earth moans and groans and waits to be restored and waits to be redeemed. And Jesus is looking at us Christians, and he's saying, I have bought you. I am bringing you back. You're going to be the first fruits of everything. So verse, then we get into verse 18. And verse 18 is the first part of our passage we'll look, and, and we'll read the rest of this. So let's, let's go to verse 18, or what, 18? No, 19 is our, our sorry, thinking out loud here. Let's go to verse 19. Verse 19 begins our passage, and so I want to read verse 19, because so far, James has said in context, don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. God is good, and he's bought you back. Your first fruits. Then we get into verse 19 and says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 21 says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22 But be doers of the word, and and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, He will be blessed in his doing. Verse 26. If anyone thinks he is a religious, if he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So if we look at these verses, the ones that set these up, and even our passage here today, we look at verse 18, and it is who we are. We are the first fruits of what God is buying back, redeeming, and restoring, and we're part of a bigger narrative of what God is doing all through Scripture, and he says verse 18 is who we are. And then our passage today, verses 19 through 26, is how we are to live in the light of that reality. You are my first fruits, Christians. I love you. I've bought you back. That's the end game. Do you get that? That's the end game. I love you. I've given everything for you. Now, in light of that, where we're going, the trajectory of our life, here's how we're to live. And that's what we find in verse 19 through 26. When we know who we are, when we know that we're part of something that's bigger, when we know the bigger picture, The bigger vision, then, is what we can stand on and how we can stand during these trials. The book of James is full of, hey, stand up strong under these trials. Well, if it's just about standing strong in the trials, we're going to fail every time. 
But if we know that we're the first fruits and God has redeemed us and bought us back and his love forgives us and gives us grace and we know the end of the story, it keeps us part of that story and we're able to stand during the trials because we know who we are and because we know who God is. That right there is when, if we were down south, about half of us would say, amen. Amen. God is a good, good God. It's who we are. It's who he is. And we're loved by him. It's who we are. We're part of the bigger story of God redeeming everything back to himself. Man, that's good stuff. So we know where we're going. We're the first fruits of his creation, being redeemed, being bought back. But your life probably doesn't have a script that you follow every morning. We're unsure how we're going to get there. We don't know what tomorrow will for sure look like, what trials may or may not come. But as Christians, if we stand on the truth of Paul's warning or James' warning, and we say God is good and we're not going to be deceived and we have already been bought back, then we can stand during these trials. It's a fine line sometimes in our life of having the reality of the, 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 what's that called way up there? The eternal or the temporal. It's a fine line. I can have a picture of the eternal when I wake up in the morning because I've got my nice little warm cup of coffee with cream and sugar in it. And I've got my warm blanket and my little Bible and I'm reading it and praying and falling asleep. And it's easy to think of the eternal in that moment. But when that person cuts me off or that thing happens in the middle of the day or whatever goes about, it's I can snap out of the eternal so quick and those trials suddenly become about today. And it's in those moments, church, that I would hope and, and for myself, pray this of me, that we would hit pause and we would say, wait, no, we're the first fruits of what God is redeeming and buying back. And because of that, we can make it through any trial that God brings our way. That's right. J.R.R. Tolkien. Anybody read The Fellowship of the Rings? It is such, such, such a good quote. I came across this, and it, it actually brought tears to my eyes when you think and ponder this quote. Like it's, it's so beautiful. This is my prayer for me. This is the, a prayer for all of us in this place, and it's this quote. Here it goes. He led them to the right of the dancing trees. Whether they were still dancing, nobody knew. For Lucy had her eyes on the lion. And the rest had their eyes on Lucy. Lucy was so focused on God. So focused on the lion. Whether the dancing trees were dancing, whatever was happening, it did not matter. She was focused and resolute. She knew the end story. And everyone else who she was leading was looking at Lucy as Lucy looked at Jesus. And that's my prayer for my life. That's my prayer for our church. That Jesus would be the center of everything that we do and everything that we say. And we keep the end in, in, our, in, our, in our remembrance. The end is what? We are the first fruit. God has brought us back. Did we deserve it? No. But as trials come, we stay focused on the lion as Lucy did. And we know what the end game is. And it's then, and only then, can we make it through these trials. As insignificant as someone cutting us off in traffic to just devastating hard trials in our life. We stay focused on the lion. Because, as James says... 
This book is about how to live a Christian life. That's what this book is. It's to reveal the power of God and to teach us how to live a Christian life. But if all we're doing is focusing on how to live a Christian life, it's just rules. It's just rules. And the Bible that I read and the God that that I'm getting to know more and more every day is more than just rules. He wants relationship. It's about a relationship and who we are in Christ. It's about playing our instrument with passion, not just reading the notes that are on the note thingy. (laughs) It's about playing our sports with, with gusto and without reservation. It's about living our life because it's not no longer about following the rules like this, but it's about keeping our eyes on the lion, keeping our eyes on Jesus as he teaches us and instructs us. And these trials come, we stay focused on who he is. It's about the relationship. It's not about just the mechanics of the sport. If you've ever seen someone getting you know, introduced into a new sport and taking lessons, whether it's golf or whatever it may be, You have to work through the mechanics, don't you? How to have that proper swing, how to have the follow-through, how to have whatever it may be in your sport. But you know, and everyone knows, that there's a point where the mechanics are not enough. you got to loosen up. you got to just get into it. You've got to feel it. And as Christians, James is writing this, and he's saying, there's the end result. Here's how we're going to get there. These are the things that you need to live. But guys, loosen up a little bit. Stay focused on Christ as the trials come in our life. Don't be deceived. It's the charge of James. It's beautiful, isn't it? So let's look at verse 19 through 20 here. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of the man does not produce the righteousness of God. Wow, did anyone just get kicked in the stomach on that one? Anyone in here get angry? Anyone here just lash out with your words without thinking about it? As soon as you let those words out, you're like, no. (laughs) You can't take it back. Remember when you could retrieve emails? I don't know if you can do those anymore. (laughs) Have you ever done the opposite here? Have you been quick to hear? Or have you been slow to hear? Have you been slow to speak or do you speak just quickly like this? Have you been slow to anger or does your anger come up in just moments of rage like that? As as James is teaching us, in light of being a first fruit, don't forget that. All this is about being the first fruit, about being Christians. So in light of being Christians and being the first fruit, all of creation, we're that. Are we as Christians aware of our speech and conduct? As we go about our day, is your speech and your actions, do they honor God and what you say and how you think and how quickly you say it and how quickly you think? I think in my life, I've I've generally gotten better at keeping anger down and not letting it take control of me until even last week when I got called for a foul that I don't even know what basketball is. I don't even know how to play it. I don't even know why I'm on a team, but I'm playing it and, and I get a foul. I'm like, come on! Yelling at this guy. I don't even know what a foul is, but I just like, it seemed like the right thing to do. So I'm just, I mean, came out of nowhere. Come on. I'm like, I better bench myself. (laughs) I'm yelling for something I don't even know. Like, 
any of you ever in that situation, or is it just me being vulnerable up here? House churches, this is fun to talk about, okay? So go, go do that. I think what, what James is definitely saying here, it's not even just what you see. Because there's times when you can look at me and I'm like, hey, but inside, dude, I've got rage. I've, got, I've learned how to be politically correct about it, right? So I think it's just not even what you see, but I think it's the stuff, what we process and what we feel internally, like what's going in us. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says this, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the laps of fools. I know that over and over. Anger resides in the lap of fools, but how quickly I can get angry, how quick I can speak. And James knows this. He's saying, listen, brothers and sisters, you're being deceived. Shut up. Slow down. This is about God who's a good God that doesn't change. You're a first fruit of his creation. He's bought you back. He's redeeming everything. But you're acting not like it. It's time to align our lives with the teaching of James and what Jesus is saying here. As you sit here today, are you enslaved to your anger? And not necessarily just the physical outside anger, but even internal anger. Are you enslaved to anger? Or are you like me? You've learned how to be passive-aggressive. I can kind of feel good about this, right? It's not anger, just kind of. I'm a master at that, huh, Lauren? I'm sorry. <laughs> We've learned how to walk that thin line where we still keep the appearance of having it all together and being that good Christian. But really, inside, guys, ladies, same story. We haven't learned how to process that. If, if, if you're in this place right now and that's you, and that's probably all of us, he wants to heal you of that. He wants to remove that. So maybe just quietly in this place, just say, God, would you please remove anger from me? The internal processing, what I'm going through. And James is writing this, and he's saying, listen, church, Christians, you're being deceived if you think you can have anger. You can talk to each other like this. Slow down. You're the first fruits of all creation. God's bought you back. He wants to heal you of that anger. And so even in this place, God, I pray that for myself, I pray for every one of us in here, that you would remove anger from us, that we would be slow to speak, God. We would listen. We would honor you with our lives. God, we give you that. We ask you to remove any anger from us. In your name we pray. Amen. Even in that prayer, though, I understand we're human, and I understand that we will get angry. God's not saying just be a passive little happy person. But he is saying, learn how to process this anger. Learn how to honor me with your words, your thoughts, and your feelings. Feelings are real. We can't just you know, suppress them. We need help. We need brothers and sisters to help us through that time we punched through the wall and we don't even know why. Like We need brothers and sisters to help us through this. We need to wash ourselves with his word, as he'll show us here in a little bit. So, church, let's, let's, let's get going on this. Let's let our lives reflect what James is teaching us here. If we look at these verses, verses 19 through 27 right now, um, it's, you know, it starts out, says, My beloved brothers and sisters, don't be, be, uh, or be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Verse 20 says, For the anger of the righteous man does not produce the righteousness of God. And then verse 21 is like the central point of this whole passage right here. And then verse 21 says this, Therefore, I love the therefores and the buts in Scripture. Because it's always like, okay, in light of what we just said, okay, therefore, 
Put away all filthiness. This is how we do it, church. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness. Wow, what a powerful word. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Hey, church, James is looking at him. He's going, you guys are getting deceived. This is, this is how you do it, church. This is what I want you to focus on. Put away all filthiness. Do we have any filthiness in our lives? Do we have rampant wickedness? Are we receiving the word of God and his teaching with meekness? Because his word is implanted in us already. He's already bought us back. He's already moving us to completion. It's already in us. Are we accepting this with meekness? Or do we with pride say, God, I got this. I'll do this on my own. That's powerful words right there. Then we get to verse 22 through 24. Let me read that. It says, but, but, there's another but, okay. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. The people that James is writing, the Christians that he's talking to right now in these churches are being deceived and it's breaking his heart. He's convicted, he's compelled, he has a sense of urgency to write this message to them, to instruct them. They think they are pleasing God, but they are not. not. Not with the way that they speak, not with the way that they think, not in their actions. They think they're pleasing God, but they're not. In fact, he's writing, and it's clear in these verses that he says there's people here that are hearing the word, but their lives don't line up with it. Like, they're getting taught truth, but their lives don't line up with it. Their lives are, are void of any obedience to Scripture. And these professing Christians right now that James is writing to, are deceiving themselves. We look at these verses, be doers of the word and not only hearers of the word. It talks about looking into a mirror and forgetting what you look like when you walk away. Well, in light of the context of when this is written and and to who this is written to, it's not like they could take a selfie and look at themselves and zoom in and look at the zit on their nose and really study their face. Like mirrors, mirrors are far, I mean, you, you could get a, a glimpse on like metal or something, or if you're really rich, you might have a mirror. So it's not like you can look into a mirror every single day. These just are not ar- around. So in the context of what James is writing right now, it makes sense to them. Probably because when they would see their reflection, they would look at it and study it because they just didn't see their reflection a lot. A lot of us right now, we have a general idea as to what we look like, because we study us. Like, I know I'm good looking. I saw me this morning. (laughs) But the people of this time, they didn't really know. I mean, they could study it, but as soon as they walked away, they began to just forget what they look like. And James is using this illustration, and and for this this culture didn't know necessarily what they look like, and he used this to teach us a spiritual lesson. And he says, don't be a hearer who forgets, but be a hearer who does? Don't be deceived. Reminds me of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. And you can open your Bibles to that, flip over to that. These are good verses because it goes right in line with the, what James is talking about here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Pretty famous passage. I'll read it to us. It says this. 
Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not or, or does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And oh yeah, great was the fall of it. What do you do on Sunday mornings? You come up here into the cafeteria. You listen to a lot of words from Aaron. Hopefully the Spirit is just prodding and teaching you beautiful things in this place. The Sunday message sounds good, doesn't it? I love being in this time together. I love doing this together with you, church. My concern, though, is that an hour from now, I will forget this message. You will remember the message. And then it doesn't take root in our life. We heard the word, but it did not affect us an hour from now or even tomorrow morning. Like when we sit with this, it should break our hearts knowing that God has bought us back and he's, we're the first fruit of his creation and he's completing us and maturing us. And we, we, that's, that's like all cause to celebrate. And yet James is saying, line your lives up with the teaching and some of us will get so distracted by shiny things that we forget to do that. We don't make it a priority, myself included. Church, you can see why James is so concerned. He's saying, you're being deceived. God's a good God. He doesn't change. Here's his word. You can count on that. It's about him, not about yourself. So stay focused on him. him, And don't just be hearers, but be doers of the word. When we read his word and when Jesus is teaching us and his Holy Spirit is, is just prodding our hearts, is it gripping us to the point of affecting our actions? Like, it affects everything that we do, how, how we move, and what we say, and how we don't say, and whether we yell at the ref or not. Like, as we move through life, we will fail. We will make mistakes. I might have to go ask that ref to forgive me. I don't know. Probably not. Wasn't that big of a deal for him. He's used to getting yelled at. But when I do fail, do I realize it's a failure because my life is not lining up with the Scripture? And how Jesus has asked me to live my life to bring him honor and glory. And if that's the case, with meekness, I should receive the word of God. I should repent. I should say, God, help me. Repent's that fancy word that means turn away from and go the complete opposite direction. So tonight, pray for me when I get yelled at for my foul, because I'll foul. Hopefully it's not this, come on! But it's, a, it's like a specific thing where, God, please help me respond differently in this scenario. And when I don't, I'm thankful for your grace that you've given me. I'm imperfect. I will not be perfect on this side of heaven. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. But church, James is saying, be sincere about this. Be sincere about this. Hear the word. And when it, you leave those doors, let it affect everything that you do and say and how you live your life. Church, if we're doing this in northern Colorado, there's going to be massive change. Would you agree? As we begin to stand and say we're imperfect people, we're beggars that have learned to show other beggars where to find food. I don't remember who said that. 
Burning Manning, Manning, maybe? I don't know. But that's what we are. We're beggars. Trying to show other beggars where we found the food. We're imperfect, but we know that God forgives us as we move through this life, and we're purposed to change our life, our thoughts, our actions, everything about us to reflect God more appropriately. This is the prayer for me. This is a prayer for our church. So let's look at verse. Let's go to 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and perseveres, being no here. Uh, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. As we let the word of God change us, we're blessed in our doing. You can read through the Bible, and one of the most famous uh, uh, messages ever given was by the man himself, Jesus. <laughs> on the mount, on the t- on Sermon on the Mount, you read the Beatitudes, blessed, 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 and he begins to teach us, blessed, blessed, blessed are you if you, and blessed, 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 and you can, you can find that, just look it up in the Bible. Also, in, in Psalms 1, it says, blessed is the man, the woman who's planted by the stream of life, like their life is a blessing. Here in James, it says, you will be blessed if what? If you receive this word and you act, you're a doer of this word, you don't forget what it looks like or what it means, but you actually go and purpose it in your life, you will be blessed blessed. Sign me up for that. Sign me up for that all day long. Let's get to verse 26 to 27, and we'll finish up. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion's not a bad thing. No. How we go about and how we live our religion, though, is a bad thing. And James is showing here, bridle your tongue. Don't deceive your heart, or your religion will be worthless. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before the Lord the Father is this, to visit orphan and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained. Unstained, I love that. Think, just ponder that word for a while. Unstained. Are we being stained by the ways of the world? Are we purposing to say, no world, you're not going to stain me. I'm so focused on God and his word in my life. I'm a doer of the word. I'm blessed because of this. I focus on him. I reflect his glory. Being unstained from the world. And in essence, verse 26 and 27 says, hey, Christians, have so much love in your life that to the most vulnerable people in your neighborhood and the people that you come across, you serve them unselfishly. To the people that are the most vulnerable, widows and orphans, people that are far from God, it could be the richest people in the world, the ones that have everything in this world, but they still need the love of God. And as Christians, we become doers of the word. We watch our hearts. We watch the way we think, the way that we speak. Our life begins to be transformed, to be more like Christ than the world at large, whether they have money or not are going to see a difference. And they're going, to, they're going to say, thank you for reflecting God's glory. And they're going to ask a lot of questions. That's it. That's the whole message. I get brought back to like third grade when my, when my mom says, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Remember that? Oh, that was beautiful. This is not a profound thing that we learned today. But oh, how I need it. 
I can think back of multiple, multiple times last week where I was not slow to speak. I had quick temper, quick anger, and I lost sight that my life is to grow more and more like Christ as I reflect his glory in this world. I'm not going to beat myself over the mistakes I had this last week. I am going to ask God to forgive me in these things, to make me more like him. I'm going to thank him for my, his grace in my life. But I'm once again going to look at the lion. <laughs> and I'm not going to really care about the dancing trees or anyone else that may be looking at me. But I'm going to say resolute on Jesus as I fail and as he forgives me and as I keep going forward towards him, thanking him that I am a first fruit of his creation. He loves me. He's given everything for me. That's the narrative I read in the Gospels. Do you? It's beautiful. That's why we celebrate on Sundays our house churches. That's why we do this thing. Church, I love doing this with you. I love seeing that God's adding to our numbers. I love seeing lives being changed in this place. Let's enter into eternal conversations. Let's spur each other on to love and good deeds. Let's speak life into dark places. Let's instill hope into northern Colorado because people I see every week need it. We are the light of the world. We're maturing in our relationship with Christ as he reflects his glory through us. Amen.